This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. I certainly appreciate those of you who have taken the time to watch today. We want you to continue to watch. We may, we may have those watching today for the first time, and I would like to give you a very personal uh, thank you for tuning in to watch Getting to Know Your Bible. Now today we have a topic that I hope will be of interest to all of us. I, I want to talk about the believer of John 3.16. Now, John 3.16 is likely one of the most familiar verses in all of the Bible. But we want to talk about the believer of John 3.16. I hope that you'll stay tuned today. Now, we continue to offer a free Bible correspondence course, and may I emphasize this course is free. We'd like for you to have it. And in order that you might know a little bit more about the course itself, and in order that you might know how you can receive the free course, why don't we pause for just a moment? To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail. And it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 365 or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read from the third chapter of John's Gospel. The third chapter of John is just rich with so many biblical truths, and I wish we had the time today to talk about the uh, new birth mentioned in the first seven or eight verses. But I want to take up our reading today down about verse number 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is a favorite passage, I think, of almost all people. That is, people who study the Bible, read the Bible, believe the Bible. I know it's perhaps one of the most familiar passages from the standpoint of people being able to quote John 3 and verse 16. And in the passage itself, there are so many things that we could learn. For example, we could learn about the greatest being in the world. And that, that being is God. It says, for God, for God. And God indeed is the greatest being in the world. It is God who created all things that exist in our world. It is in God that we live and that we move and we have our very being. For God. This passage tells us about a great love. For God so loved. That means that God loved to the degree, that God loved to the extent. The great love of God is a theme that's very, very important to all people. The great love of God. For God 
so loved. And so the love of God is important to us. Without God's love, we'd all be lost. The fact is, God loves all people. That's what is it mentioned in the very next part of the passage. He said, for God so loved the world. That's the greatest number. The greatest number is the whole world. When Jesus died, Jesus did not die for people in the Western Hemisphere. He did not die for people in the United States of America only. Jesus Christ died for the whole world. He died for people all over the world. So this tells us about the greatest number. And then this tells us about the greatest gift that's ever been, get, been given. He gave His only begotten Son. You see, God loved the world so much that He was willing to give His only Son to save the world. And then it tells us about the greatest faith whoever believes in Him. And so that's the greatest faith. Faith is important. In Hebrews 11 and 1, we learn that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I know from Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 that you cannot please God without faith. So whosoever believeth in Him, that is, believes in Jesus Christ, this passage tells us about the greatest tragedy, and that should not perish. That is, perishing, the loss of the soul, would be the greatest tragedy that could ever happen. And this passage tells us about the greatest human blessedness, and that's everlasting life. Let's go back to the part of the passage that reads, Whoever believes in Him. You know, when you study the Bible, there are those that are positive believers and negative believers. For example, the believer of Romans 1 verse 16 is a positive believer. There the Bible says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every one that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the positive believer is saved. The positive believer is justified by faith. Listen to Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The positive believer has access to God's grace by faith. Notice Romans 5 and 2. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The positive believer has everlasting life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life, that is, eternal life. But the positive believer is, has a pure heart. That is, we are purified by that faith. In Acts chapter 15 and verse 9, it was Peter said, and hath put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts 
by faith. And so there's a positive side of faith. That's what faith will do for an individual. But think about the negative side. Think about those who may believe, but I would call them the negative believer. Why, for example, in James the second chapter and verse 19, we're told that the devils also believe, they believe and tremble, but they're lost. That's a negative faith. In James chapter 12, uh, John chapter 12, verses 42 and 43, nevertheless, among the chief rulers, many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess him, lest they be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. They were negative believers. They were lost. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at verse number 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. And so there are those who have had faith and have been obedient to the faith, but they depart from that which they have believed. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33, Jesus said, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. But listen to him. Whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. So there is a positive believer, and a positive faith will save one. The negative believer is going to be lost. But I want to raise a question. Who is the believer of John 3.16. Or to put it another way, what believer will be saved? Well, let me mention several things that will help us to answer that question. The believer that will be saved is the believer who comes to God by faith. I repeat, the believer who will be saved is the believer who comes to God by faith. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. He that cometh to God must believe, must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of all of them that diligently seek Him. In John the 6th chapter, verse 44 and 45, listen to what Jesus said. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. You see, the believer that will be saved is the believer who has heard, who has learned, and comes to God by faith. Also, the believer that will be saved is the believer who has a pure heart. In Matthew chapter 5, in verse 8, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We need to have hearts of purity, and our hearts are purified by our faith. 
In Acts chapter 15 and verse 9, I read it again. Having put no difference between us and them, purifying hearts by faith. Hearts are purified by faith. Now, in order for our hearts to be purified by faith, we must have an open heart. Unfortunately, all people do not have their hearts open to the truth. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15, Jesus said, For this people's heart is wax gross, their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. You see, a person does not have a pure heart when they have their mind closed to the truth. They do not have a pure heart when they have their eyes shut to the truth. The believer has a pure heart is the believer who will be saved. And the believer that will be saved is the believer who is justified. Justified. Listen to Romans 5 verse 1 and verse 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, justified by faith. When we are justified, we are saved. In 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, and in verse 9, Paul said, Know ye not the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And of course, that's true. And then he mentions a number of sins that would be included in living an unrighteous life. But in the 11th verse is the good news. He said to these, and yet such were some of you. There was a time these people would have been considered unrighteous people. He said, such were some of you, but now you're washed, you're sanctified, and you are justified. Someone said that the word justified means it's just if I'd never sinned. You see, the believer who is saved is the believer who is justified. In Romans the third chapter and verse 20, the Bible says, Therefore by the deeds of the law no flesh shall be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. I know that by keeping the law that was given through Moses, there is no justification. You see, the believer is saved is the person, the believer who is justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But then the believer who is saved is the believer whose faith works by love. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul is talking about the contrast between the old law and the new law. For example, in verse 1, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The yoke of bondage was the old law, and the liberty that we have in Jesus Christ comes through obedience to the perfect law of liberty. But notice down in verse 6, he's trying to explain to people that they should no longer be adherents to the Old Testament law, 
but they should be obedient to the gospel of Christ. For example, in verse 3, he said, I testify to every man who, who becomes circumcised, it is a debtor to keep the whole, whole, whole law. If you were to go back to the Old Testament law for a part of it, you had to keep all of it. And then in verse 4, he said, You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you've fallen from grace. But then in verse 5, he said, For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus... Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. Well, what is it that avails but faith working through love? You see, the believer who is saved is the believer whose faith works by love. The devils believe and tremble. Are they saved? Absolutely not. In Philippians, the second chapter in verse 12, Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. Our faith is to work by love. But then the believer that is saved is the believer who is saved by the gospel. Listen to Paul in Romans 1.16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Jesus in Mark 16 and verse 15 said, Go ye into all of the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That which is to be believed in Mark 16 and verse 16 is the gospel preached uh, verse 15, in Matthew chapter 28 and verses 18 and 19, Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. So who is the believer that will be saved? It's the believer who is saved by the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, Paul said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which also you have believed, wherein you stand, and by which you are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. He preached the gospel to the people of Corinth. He said, You're saved by the gospel. The believer who is saved is the believer saved by the gospel. Incidentally, the people of Corinth were saved by the gospel. According to Acts chapter 18 and verse 8 like this, many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. That's how they were saved. Now the believer who is saved is the believer who is justified by grace. Ephesians 2 and verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Someone says, Well, Brother Lambert, doesn't that mean that you don't have to be baptized in order to be saved? Because if you're baptized, aren't you working out your salvation? Absolutely not. 
Because you see, we are saved by the grace of God. That tells us how we are saved. To be saved by the grace of God simply means that that's God's unmerited favor. It is God doing for us what we were unable to do for ourselves. It's God giving us what we need, which is the redemption of our sins, forgiveness of sin, and, and, and He's not giving us what we deserve. I do not want what I deserve. I need to be saved by God's grace. The Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. We are saved by the grace of God. It's not a question, are we saved by the grace of God? Indeed, we are saved by the grace of God. The question is, what must I do to be saved by His grace? You see, I must obey the gospel to be saved by the grace of God. But the believer who is saved is the believer justified by grace. Romans 5 and verse number 2. Now, the believer that will be saved is also the believer who has remission of sin. Remission of sin. That, that expression is found in several places in the New Testament. Well, what one place is in Matthew, the 26th chapter, and verse 28. Let, let me read that to you. Where Jesus said, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which was shed for many for remission of sin. Now, the believer who will be saved is the believer who has remission of sin based upon forgiveness by Jesus' blood. Well, now, what were people taught in the New Testament about forgiveness of sin? Well, in Acts the 10th chapter and verse 43, listen to what Peter said at the house of Cornelius. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him, will receive remission of sin. But turn back a few pages to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. It's the day of Pentecost. And Peter has been asked the question, what shall we do? Maybe some of you are asking that question. What do I need to do in order that I might be saved? I believe that Jesus is the Christ, but what must I do? And these people ask the question, what shall we do? And here was his answer. Acts 2 verse 38. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Friends, the believer that will be saved is the believer as remission of sin. That we might have our remission of sin be justified by grace when we obey the gospel we believe in Christ, we repent of our sins, confess our faith in Him, and we are baptized into Christ. And that's how we receive remission of sin. In Acts the 22nd chapter, in verse 16, it was Ananias who told Saul of Tarsus, And now why tarriest thou? Arise, be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Friends, the believer that will be saved is the believer who has remission of sin. And the person who has remission of sin is the person who, based upon their faith in Jesus Christ, has repented of their sins, Acts 2.38, 
they are then baptized for the remission of sin. But then the believer who will be saved is the believer who is a baptized believer. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And that's found in your Bible in Mark chapter 16 and verse 16. In Acts the 8th chapter in verse 12, when Philip went down to Samaria preaching, the Bible says, when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So they did what Jesus said. They believed and they were baptized. And when people today, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, are baptized upon the confession of their faith in Jesus Christ, it is for the remission of their sins. So the believer who will be saved is the believer who is a baptized believer. That's exactly what happened in the case of the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. Here's a man who heard a preacher preach about Jesus, Acts 8, 35. And the man said, here's water, what hinders me from being baptized? And he said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Here's a man who believed. He was baptized. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Are you the kind of a believer who will make the decision to be saved? Are you a positive believer? You know, Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15 says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served the, that were on the other side of the flood or the god of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Will you make that choice today? Will you choose Christ today? Would you not today, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, make the decision that you want to be baptized into Jesus Christ. You say, well, Brother Lambert, I'm not, I had a woman say to me one day, Brother Lambert, I don't know what church to join. You don't worry about that because the Lord will just add you to the church. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Being at Faulkner is like being a part of a big family. I feel safe here. It seems like I know everybody and even my professors know me by name. My faith in Christ has grown a lot since coming to Faulkner, especially working with this outstanding Bible department and seeing the general Christian lives of all the professors on campus. Faulkner University is a growing, academically strong institution where Christ is the center of everything we do. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, 
or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.